0: Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know.
1: Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zakia. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host Zakia Shaw. How you doing, Zacchaeus?
2: I'm doing great today, my man. You know, it's kind of tough here in South Dakota. We're just now getting what it tastes to feel like a little bit like fall, which is actually kind of nice, but it's been a little chilly. Also, at the same time, was able to spend a bunch of time this weekend with good people, good friends, family. So definitely, you know, rejuvenates the soul when you can celebrate people you love and care about. So yeah, happy to be here today with yes. another special guest and you, of course, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, man. Um, like you said, just to be able to have a weekend where you can get out and spend time with family, friends, especially the friends part. Um, there's one thing about life and it gets it gets tough sometimes to make time for other individuals outside of your immediate family that you're living with, you know, right. um, it gets busy. So when you can get a, a full group like that together and you guys can kind of vibe together and you guys can have a great time that's just something that you just hold on to it's a memory that'll last forever um on that but other than that you know like you said weather and stuff it's not good it's it's getting (laughs) cold it's getting cold so um it's time for those jackets and whatnot so and here shortly you know i just want to throw in a plug there especially for our new website that's been up and running for the last few weeks oversteppingpoverty.com yeah. Um, as you know with the weather as it starts to get cold, you need to bundle up so we'll have some jackets on there, some stocking caps, beanies. Uh, so definitely go there check uh, it out get your apparel. so but yeah. let's go and get into this interview. We have a, a very special guest that I'd like you to bring in. So yes, let's get no, to it.
2: Like you said, we have a very special guest somebody that um, is not from Sioux Falls but by the actions and the things he's starting, building and a part of, Shows that he obviously cares a lot about our community and wants to make our community a better place. He's uh, the director of South Dakota African American History Museum. He's the vice president of the NAACP, co-owner of the delicious Swamp Daddies Mm -hmm. in Two Falls. And the list goes on. A co-owner of the Hub down at um, the Hub SD, which is a big, awesome place for people that look like us to... Have a resource and and be able to build and president of Juneteenth here in Sioux Falls as well. So Julian, I feel like
1: you you almost got out of breath. I you know those accolades. <laughs> you know did, what I'm man. saying? I,
2: and there's still more. There's still <laughs> more. JCB Consulting as well. Yes. Um, so Julian Baudouin, well, welcome, here. welcome. I appreciate, yes, it, man. thank you. For Absolutely, out show, yeah. man. How are you? I'm good, man. Y'all did an amazing
0: job with the plug on the on the, on the hoodies, man. I'm gonna need me a hoodie. For yeah, sure.
1: appreciate that. Yeah appreciate that. I'm a,
0: I'm a hoodie guy. Like, you know, I don't right. wear a lot of jackets, but you can catch me in the wintertime with a hoodie every day. Yep.
1: Yeah, yep. X.
2: That's my favorite part about the fall is busting out those hoodies. Yeah. I'm not even going to lie, get nice and comfortable. You don't have to look, you know, just easy to put it on and get going.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, now y'all got to come out with some colors, though. That right. is true. Like color, right now we the have the we have the comfort
1: court. colors right now. Okay. Yeah, those yeah. comfort colors. Yeah, so for for sure. we're we're starting to to move into there. So that's definitely heard um, yeah. on that. So, but yeah, sure. no, we're definitely yeah. that's the move. That's the next right. move.
0: You just let me know. I'll be the first one.
1: All right, sure. perfect. So let's let's go ahead and get into this here though. As we mentioned already, we're here at Swamp Daddies. Um, there's one special thing that I love about our community, and that's when we do have them on the podcast, they are able to let us come in to. Their, their place of business and they're able to ask, you know, open up and really feel comfortable in the spot that they're in. Sure. Um, so actually I know I'm kind of getting into that swamp daddies, but I want to actually throw this way back. I want to know exactly, you know, how you grew up, how you got to where you are today.
0: Yeah. So we are originally from Louisiana, a small town called Alexandria, Louisiana. As a matter of fact, so y'all were talking about the weekend, you know, vibing with friends. We were at the same, at the same yeah, function yeah. this weekend, man. Yeah. You know? celebrating another year of, of one of our, our friend's birth. He was 30 years old. 30. 30th. Yeah. And so his, his father actually is also from Alexandria. Louisiana. Yeah. And I so was going to say that. that's how we kind of got connected with his family and our family. So we, we kind of go way back from there, okay. but from, from the city that we were raised in, man, we're lucky to get out, you know, you lucky yeah. to make it to thirty. It's, it's kind of one of those one of those deals. So to see him actually move up here and and be prosperous in the things that he's doing, as well as like our family, the the whole thing, man, like the yeah. whole yeah. thing. Again, you can't find people, you can't find people that that celebrate each other the way we did this weekend. And so right. it was it was great. So I'm, you know, I know that's not the answer to your no, question, but good. I just had to say that because it was it was a marvelous weekend for me. Yes. yes. So so with that said, again, I'm from Alexandria, Louisiana, man. I grew up. Uh, we call it the hood, I grew up in the hood a little bit. I tried to remove the hood element from me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So obviously the name of the podcast is, is Overstepping Poverty mm-hmm. and just growing up around those who are actually impoverished, not just the mindset, but physically impoverished, mm-hmm. uh, whether it have it ha- have to do with addiction, finances, uh, relationships, whatever it had to do with. Everyone in that community uh, was impoverished in some kind of way. So for me, man, just just trying to make it out, um trying to trying to build mental stability to be able to to step into a place into my life to where I didn't have to deal with that crap mm-hmm. um you know that that was on my mind at an early age so you know through through high school that consistently stayed on my mind um eventually I went to Louisiana Tech majored in biology uh didn't use my degree not one bit right <laughs> didn't didn't use that Same. background at all man <laughs> Spent a lot of money. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But then I went on to become a a state trooper here in South Dakota. and So I served as a trooper for 13 years. And throughout the 13 years, there's a lot of things within the community that uh, I became really passionate about. One thing that I've always been passionate about, even going back to my days in high school, was black folks. Mm -hmm. Just just loving my people, loving Mm -hmm. what we stand for, loving everything about our culture, the good and the bad. And, and really trying to take everything that we do and everything that we say to the next level to elevate the culture and to elevate the people. Right. Um, and so within the 13 years of me having, I guess you want to say, a community partnership, because I don't I don't really call it a career. It's a community partnership. If you're, sure. if you're in law enforcement, you are also part of the community. So you have right. to develop some type of partnership with the people that you're serving. So for me, during the 13 years of my community partnership with the state of South Dakota, I also started to really dive into a lot of nonprofits in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the things that you were reading off. That's how I got to where I am right now sure. is, is just because I just wanted to be involved um, right. and being involved in, and in turn to being successful at my involvement. And from being successful at my involvement, people were asking me, Hey, to, to lead certain projects or lead certain organizations. And so that's where I am today.
1: I love All it. Right? I love it. I want to just take it back just a little bit there. Now you said that you, Kind of grew up in in the hood is what you call it. Yep. You didn't mention, I guess, as far as like family, was it a single parent household? Uh, any sisters, brothers?
0: Yeah, man. So I, I got a lot of siblings, um, five five brothers, one sister. So my mom had one daughter, two uh, two other sons. My youngest brother was 16 years old. Uh, When I was born, so I know my mom didn't like to say this, but I was the mistake of the family. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure 16 years later when she got pregnant, somebody said, oops, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that happened. But, but, you know, I'm the youngest of of all of my siblings. My dad and my mom were never married. As a matter of fact, my dad was, was married in another relationship. And so, you know, some things, some things happened there um, Mm -hmm. to where I was really the product of an affair, unfortunately. And I, and I say, unfortunately, because an affair should never happen. Uh, But with that said, I also still had an incredible father, incredible father, incredible mother, although personally they had to go through their own struggles with addiction. Um, Individually, they had to go through their own struggles with, you know, two different types of addiction Um, and just seeing that up close and personal, along with seeing, uh, you know, some of my siblings also struggle with uh, struggle and battle with addiction as well. And if, 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 they weren't battling with addiction, they were, they were battling with some form of incarceration. Mm-hmm. And so again, like all of that, all of that, man, just, it, it was a, some form of impoverishment surrounding right. me everywhere. I looked everywhere. I looked, but part of my mindset always leaned on the, the strongest support system in the black community, which is a black woman. Mm-hmm. And I was raised, you know, I was raised by my mom, but also I was raised with my sister. I was raised with my grandmother. Uh, I have aunts and a lot of aunts and cousins, who we call aunts, you know. Right. Man, listen, when I when I say I couldn't I wouldn't be here without them. I I really wouldn't be sitting before you without without the strong black women in my family.
1: Absolutely. So. And I love that you you give those what I call it as kudos especially to other individuals that kind of lift you up and empower you to continue to stay strong and move forward. Um but there's one thing that I'm always asked just because of my how I grew up you know and that's how you how you made it out how you had this the the right mindset to continue to be positive to to want to do more and whatnot so I have to ask you that exact same question you know because it's not easy especially when you're around that negativity and you can be engulfed into these 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 things that will not do you justice you know yeah so I want to know like how how is it for you how are you able to take that next step forward
0: Actually, it was easy for me. Yes, work comes into it, but things just fall into place at the right time. You know, man, God has a plan for everybody, number one. And I just stepped into the light in which God provided for me. Just stepped into the the path that was being directed for me. Now, with that said, though, again, it didn't come without work, but it also didn't come without me just, again, having the mindset of I did not want to be like the next person, Mm -hmm. the person next to me. You know, no, no no shade to my brothers, but I didn't want to be like my brothers. I wanted to be better. You know what I mean? I I saw the pain that my brothers caused my mom and my grandmother. I didn't want to cause that pain, right? Right. Um, I saw the pain that my sometimes my mom and my dad caused me. I didn't want to cause that pain for my for my my kids. You know, I, I saw what what my mom and my dad had together, and I didn't want to do that to my future spouse. Mm. So it was just it was just me saying, how can I be a better me? And, and starting off with being a better me, and turned very quickly into how can my community be better? And again, I think that shows in the work that I'm doing right
2: now. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And I agree because it, it's interesting because there's so many people that can go through the same environments, the same situations, but ultimately a lot of times it is up to that individual to be fed up with what's been going on in the family and take that step to just want better because, you know, just like you were saying, the pain that your siblings may have caused on your mother is something you were able to see because you were born so much later. You were able to see, you know, at a different stage of life where they were at, and kind of learn from that. So I think that's really cool and important that we learn from those around us. We don't have to go through the hard things if we can learn learn from those that are unfortunately taking those paths that we don't always want to take. I want to get into a little bit about, you know, leading that you to law law enforcement. Obviously that's something that is important for our community to have positive law enforcement. It's important for us to have a good relationship with our law enforcement for you. What brought you to law enforcement? I really never wanted to be a cop
0: a day in my life. Right. Mm Yeah. never wanted to be in law enforcement, man. Um, so uh, a couple of things happened. First off, again, I'm going to go back to the path that was being directed for me. I wanted to go into yeah. the military, mm. um, you know, through high school. I was in the JROTC program and um, I won several awards there. But one one award in particular led me to a path to where I, I actually earned a I um, I can't remember what the name of the scholarship was, but it was a scholarship. Sure. It Really, it wasn't a scholarship. It was more of an invitation to West Point okay um and then i failed my physical because i had asthma so my my dream Dang. was really to go into the military and I, unfortunately that was removed from me right and then so my backup plan was to go to college so i i came up here and uh shoot i believe 2006 2006 2007 and um was working at hsbc which is a, is a call center it's right off the interstate and so uh on christmas eve one one day we were put on lockdown. There was a there was an individual who came into the parking lot. He uh, he murdered his wife and he committed suicide.
2: Wow. And so
0: the first person that came and locked us down was a trooper. But not just any trooper, it was a black trooper. And so mm-hmm. this dude, number one, that was the first law enforcement officer that had ever treated me with any amount of respect. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously the situation was a little bit different. He was coming in, you know, to, to say, Hey, I'm here to protect you versus a traffic stop or versus putting you in, in different situation right right but still he treated me with respect so that's like that that was the first interaction with someone that changed my mind about law enforcement mm. secondarily actually let me not say that because because my wife's father my, my father-in-law is in law enforcement has been been in law enforcement for years mm-hmm. um for 20 something years right yeah. um and so he obviously treats me with respect we have a mutual respect for each other's I, Love the death out of that man. Right. You know? Absolutely. Um, so so I'm going to back up with that. But like in, in the capacity that that was in, right? I've never had Outside to meet my family. father. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've never had to meet my father-in-law on the side of the road. <laughs> right. But, but this individual came in and he reminded me so much of what I wanted to do. I didn't see law enforcement in him. I saw the aspect of the military in him. Now, come to find out after I became a trooper and became friends with this individual, as a matter of fact, he became a mentor of, of some sorts. He served in the military. He was a Marine for 13 years. Wow. And so, you know, it, w- it was obvious to me of what I wanted to do. So the very next day, I actually hopped online and applied, and then I had a 13-year career.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's inspiring. Yeah, That's kind of like seeing somebody. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Representation yeah, is important. You know, yeah. we talked with the mayor, and that was one thing I wish I would have been able to respond back on. What he said when I asked about representation at city officials and city board, it's like, I understand you care about everybody. You want everybody to do good, but it is important for that younger kid that looks like us to see somebody in there, the position that they would like to be in someday.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, specifically, you talk about Sioux Falls and you talk about the middle school kids in Sioux Falls. We're looking at our next workforce being close to 50 percent of people that look like us. Right. Right. Have color to their skin. Uh, and if they don't have accurate representation, not just not just in leadership in our cities, but currently in our schools. Right. Right, We have to make sure that we have teachers that look like them down to the janitors, the janitors that look like the, they, their interactions have to be with people who understand where they come from.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we can talk about leadership and how leadership looks. With that said, though, we have to have we have to have courage as as a people, as us to go out and run for office. Right, We, right. Have, we yeah. have to have the courage within ourselves to do the thing that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not it's not all up to people like the mayor to, to go out and recruit people like us. We, we just have to have the courage to be able to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Do the
1: thing, yeah. yeah. Right. No, I completely cool. agree with that. There's one thing I want to actually hit on, especially with you being in law enforcement. Over the past, I mean, many years, there's been kind of a, a negative aspect, a negative look on to law enforcement just because of the things that we see on TV. We talk about the good apples of law enforcement. We talk about the bad apples of law enforcement. Now, being someone who's black and is in law enforcement, did you see a lot of hatred towards you just because oh, – because, yeah. I mean, your, your main thing I've noticed is, is try and help and support the community. Yeah, you know? sure. And, and so then I feel like it had a, a, a little conflict of you being in law enforcement and everyone's portraying law enforcement – of doing these things to really put down the black community.
0: Uh, absolutely. You know, people should look at law enforcement negatively in some, in some way because of the things that, excuse me, again, that we see uh, in the media. Now it's not just about the media though. It's the things that we experience in real life. Right. George Floyd was real. Mm-hmm. Right. That wasn't a media revelation. That was real. Right. That was a compilation of the things that we've been telling you have been going on in our community and you finally saw it. Yeah. Now with that said, yes, I, I, man, wearing a uniform, I got it from both ends for sure. Mm -hmm. I got the fact that I was turning my back against the community because I put the uniform on. And then because of the work that I actually did in the community, I got it from law enforcement people. Mm. And I'll go back to George Floyd. I I spoke at the George Floyd March. As a matter of fact, I opened up the George Floyd March. And man, that was that was an out of body experience for me. Uh, I've never uh, experienced community support that wide. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was and it was amazing. And that was something that I did not as a law enforcement officer. I did that as myself. And that was that was kind of the the first thing it was. It was eye opening for me in one sense. And it was actually my kind of my first thought of leaving law enforcement was that night. Really? Because after the march, I had to go and I had to defend the city. I had to put the uniform on and defend the city at the mall. While individuals were hurting the officers that I had worked with for so many years. Hmm. And so while I had a mutual respect for both sides, it wasn't shown from the law enforcement perspective. Right. I was left. I'm not going to tell you exactly who I was and who I was with and all of that, right? Because I don't want to give up names. But I was left almost on an island by myself that night. And nobody came and spoke to me. Nobody came and said a word to me. As a matter of fact, there were, there were threats death threats, threats of harm coming from individual spouses that I worked with. When those were reported, <laughs> I was told that I, I put the target on my own back. Wow. And to a sense, I did. Mm-hmm. To a sense, I absolutely did. But when you talk about accountability for law enforcement, that's what we've been fighting for. And so if I am telling you that one of your officers happens to be black and happens to be getting death threats, you're not holding yourselves and those in uniform accountable but that's what I've been fighting for. So it's time right. for me to go. It's time for me to look for another avenue. Absolutely, um, I can I can help my community in so many ways. To include continuing to serve in some capacity when you talk about law enforcement. Right. Yeah.
2: How did you see that negatively impact you on the other side? You know, with the very community that you really dedicate everything you do for the most part to getting better and growing. What type of challenges did you face? With that trust, for sure, trust. Um,
0: and and you know, to some level, it still remains that way. People, even though I'm you know not a law enforcement officer anymore, technically I'm still a law enforcement. I'm not with the, an organization. There's still an aspect of oh, he used to wear the uniform. I don't know if I can trust him, right? And so trust is built over time. I understand that, and I'm in it for the long haul. This is the type of work that people have. I'll use the word again. People have to have the courage to do, mm-hmm. but people have to be committed. To do it, you have to be dedicated to this type of work. There are going to be nights where you go home crying, right? Right? I mean, there's nights where I've I've gone home and I've cried on my wife's shoulder because I just don't know what else I can do. I don't know how much more I can give, and I don't know what I can do to make people see the value in the work that I'm putting in. I, you know, I don't do this for fame. Mm -hmm. I, I could, but I don't. Right? I do it because it's valuable to our community. It's valuable to our people, and it hurts. When people don't trust the work that you're putting in. Right. Right. And, you know, sometimes that's because of uh, maybe they don't understand intent. Maybe they don't understand the work at all. And then sometimes I believe people are just afraid that your work might cause them problems. Mm. You know, Dr. King, and I'm not comparing myself to Dr. King at all, but Dr. King dealt with that. Right. His approval rate amongst black people (sighs) while he was alive was in the low 50 percent. Wow, right. People didn't. It wasn't that people didn't like the work that he was doing, but people were afraid that their lives were going to be harder because he was working so diligently yeah. and he was in the face of, of white folks, you know, telling them, hey, my people need this. And then when the people have to go back to work, what do they have to deal with? They have to deal with the same white people that Dr. Right. King was preaching to. Um, and so there's an aspect of fear as well when you talk about, you know, just the connection between my work and, and the community that I work for. Mm
1: mm-hmm.
2: I was going to say a lot of times when you are fighting for what you believe in, and we see it a lot, we see it a lot, especially in today's media where you have people that have their own thoughts or they, they are fighting for something and they get villainized because they, they're they standing up against the status quo. They're standing up against what has been so normal and common for so long. And then it seems like over time, you know, like an MLK or a Malcolm X, it's like, oh, they actually did have a point. Like they actually were doing something that was important. And I think it's because people have such short sighted vision when it comes to things like you're doing something to make a change that realistically might not make the full change that you want to see until you're gone. Right. Like you might not even experience the change you want to see, but the hope is that maybe your children will or their children will. And over time, making society a better place for everybody. It's hard work and it doesn't happen overnight, but I think you're right. It does take the courage to stand up against what can feel like the world, I'm sure, um, and still keep going. I wanted to talk and get into another piece because, um, you know, you just talked about it now with going home and being emotional and just trying to understand why. You know, and then um, just everything that you've gone through, how do you keep your mental health right? Because I know it can feel like a lot when it feels like the world's against you. And we've talked about it a little bit off camera before to where you've kind of felt like you were just left on an island. You know, how does that how has that been?
0: I don't do a very good job of taking care of myself mentally. Um, I'm trying to be better. You know, one of the things that I've picked up is running. I absolutely hate running, but I love what it does to my mind. Mm. Pushes me to the next level. It gives me space to think while I'm running. It gives me time to strategize, you know, when I'm in the mode of running. Yeah. Sometimes I just kind of lose myself. The other day, so I try to run. Every time I go out, I try to run at least three miles. And the other day I went out and I ran 5.2 miles and didn't even realize it just because I was in in my mental zone. Yeah. And so, first off, the weather in South Dakota didn't allow me to get out oh, and run man. every day. <laughs> that's
2: a problem in itself, yeah,
0: exactly. But but you know, just being busy sometimes, just being busy with life, doesn't allow you to to get out and do the things that's necessary. And sure. you know, I talk to, it's kind of like calling what, what do they say calling the kettle black?
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, the pot
0: calling the kettle black. Yep. I talk to my wife all the time about hey, I know this restaurant is is a great thing that you've built. As a matter of fact, it's I'm just to plug my wife a little bit. This yeah, is plug the, her in. this is the largest black owned restaurant in the state of South Dakota.
2: Wow. Shout out um, Swamp Daddy. Yeah,
0: my and you know, started off with my mother and 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 my wife put a lot of a lot of sweat equity into this thing. Yeah. A lot of love and she is grinding every single day to make sure that we keep the doors open. That's why I'm daddies. Um, so hats off for sure to my to my wife for all the work that she's putting in. But mm-hmm. sometimes she also forgets to take care of herself. Mm-hmm. And so I I push her. I mean, even if it's the small things that she enjoys doing, just go get your nails done. You know, go get your hair done. Go get a massage. Like the the very small things that she just needs to relax a right. little bit. She declines to do it for herself, mm-hmm. right? And so as I preach that, I also take a step back and see that I decline to do the things that I enjoy doing Mm -hmm. for myself. Right. Right. Because after work, there's still family. Mm -hmm. Like you still have to be there for your spouse. You still have to be there for your kids. I still have a mom who just turned 75 that that needs me, you know, along the way every now and then. Yeah. I still have to support my brothers and sisters from time to time in the things that they're doing. My sister is currently in school. Again, hats off to another strong black woman doing her thing. She's currently in school going to get yet another degree. Shout out to uh-huh. her, yeah, for sure. And listen, I keep I keep giving credit where credit is due to other people, but black women, man, when <laughs> how do I stay strong mentally? It's the black women of my life. Mm-hmm. It, it really is because I can't do it for myself. Black women are the, are the most educated group of women on this planet, not just in the United States, but on this planet. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, feeding into the wisdom and the education that the black women around me have provided. Uh, makes me think differently about the things that i 'm doing. It makes me prepare differently um, makes me strategize differently and it gives me it gives me hope to work harder than I ever have worked before right so when you talk about like what what I do to really maintain the mental space or the mental capacity that i have i don 't yeah. do it alone uh because i right. 'm incapable of doing it alone so I really rely on the on on the people around me to help me with that
2: yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that.
1: Absolutely. You know, you you talked about trust and trust is something that I mean, once it's gone, it's it's really tough to get back. And I've seen you work tirelessly, you know, to try and gain the trust of the community. I think the biggest thing that I see on my end is is that there's a message out there that I feel like you're trying to portray that a message that you're trying to send to the community, but people aren't grasping on to that because they don't have that trust yet. Yeah. So my question to you is, is what is that message? What is that mission that you're, that you're trying to do to improve the community and yeah. not just the community? Cause it seems like, I mean, for you, it's the black community that you're really trying to put on a pedestal and, you know, and, and raise and move forward. So what is that mission for you?
0: Yeah. So really the message and everything that I do is that we can do it ourselves. We don't have to wait on anybody else. Right. So I ran for I ran for city council several years ago. And one of the things amongst my platform, one of the things that I talked about is building your own table. Um, And I'll go back to a message that I heard from Pastor T.D. Jakes. He he talked about how God didn't ever give anybody a table. He never gave anybody chairs. But what he did was he gave us the aptitude to build our own tables. Mm -hmm. So why are we waiting for somebody to give it to us? When we have the ability to build it ourselves. Right. So in everything that I do, every organization that I that I participate in, anything that my wife and I create, yes, it has its own separate agenda. But the message behind that is don't wait. Build Mm -hmm. it yourself. Come take part in this particular community. I don't care where it is, I don't care if it's at Swamp Daddy's. I don't care if it's on the corner of the street, wherever it is, just take part, engage Mm -hmm. because we are building our own table and we're tired of playing by everybody else's rules. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a game that's been created out here. I mean, if you don't think this is a game we have, we, li- we literally have policies and procedures that tell us how we walk every single day. Why not engage in the change that you want to see? If you don't like walking that way, then engage in the change of walking. Right. Right. Um, and so that's, that's just what we're doing. I mean, we host a, we host an event here called the vibe, and and that really is just to provide a space for black folks to come out and talk and just get things off their chest without having to be looked at differently. Right. You know what I mean? Um and and that's really all it's for. It's for conversation. Mm-hmm. Point blank period. It's for conversation and it's it's for you to unload mentally if you have to. Right. Um the hub that my my business partner and I created is for black resources. It's for black black and immigrant and migrant business resources. So, you know, those things are accessible but sometimes they're not accessible to us or sometimes we have issues with trust with other communities so that we cannot access or equally access some of those resources. So we're just bringing it to you, right? right? We're building our own table. If you see a need, you have to meet the need. Mm-hmm. And that's just where I am.
1: Absolutely. You, you would say you would categorize this business as a black owned business. Correct? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. And hands the, down <laughs> for sure. For sure. And then for the vibe and whatnot, like you said, that's hosted for, I mean, the black community to come in and, yep. and of course, Raise their voice and talk for sure. Um, The Hub South Dakota to raise up the Black community entrepreneurs and whatnot. Absolutely. My question for you is on the flip end of that there, where people see that and then they feel automatically because it's labeled Black owned or you know this is for the Black community, they feel like they're not welcome. What do? How do you respond to that for another you know ethnic, ethnic and racial community that wants to come in and be involved? But they don't have the same color skin as we do.
0: I will say this: we've never turned down anybody from participating. We've never turned down anybody from from eating in our establishment. Absolutely. Um, so, so number one, everybody is absolutely welcome. But just because I have to categorize it as black-owned or just because I have to categorize it as something else, doesn't mean someone else is not included in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Elevating someone's voice or elevating someone's platform is very intentional, and that comes with the form or with the sense of equity. Right. So Dr. King always talked about equality. And then towards the end of his life, he talked about leading his people into a burning house because equality is not where it was. It was all about equity. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if I'm going to stand on the shoulders of giants such as Dr. King and such as Malcolm X, then I'm going to also talk about equity, which means that I'm going to build a platform for the people that mean the most to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that I love anybody any less. Mm -hmm. It just means that I love somebody a little bit more. right? So I have a sister that I love. But I love my mom a little bit more, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know what I mean. Um, I I have kids, right? But I love my wife a little bit more, right? So it doesn't mean that I love anybody less. It just means that I have, again, there's nothing for for me. There's nothing wrong with using this word. So I'm going to use it again. I know people shy away from it, but there's nothing wrong with having an agenda. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, nothing wrong with having an agenda. And yes, I do have a personal agenda for myself, but I have a community agenda my community i feel needs to set an agenda so that leaders can step into what the community wants yeah and actually follow the agenda set by the community and not by individuals um i i think having an agenda is is perfectly fine because listen the people that are actually leading our community such as the mayor and such as the city councilman you think they don't have one right right you know you think they don't have a plan for their lives you think they don't have a plan for the policies and procedures that they set? absolutely they do Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be in the position that they're in if they didn't. Right, and so it's important for us. Number one, to set an agenda as a community, uh, but also it's important not to shy away from the word to have an agenda personally for for your family and as an individual as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, success comes from an agenda. I've never been in an organized meeting that didn't have an agenda set. Right,
2: right, right. right. And so
0: success comes out of agendas, and we have to be able to set one. Absolutely,
2: oh, I, I like that. I think it is, and I've I've attended the vibe. Obviously, we've we've both eaten here. Great food, great environment for the vibe, and I will attest that it is for the black people. It it is a black-owned business, but when we are having those conversations at the vibe, you have every race, you know, religion, absolutely, creed in there. So I I will attest to that. That it is something that everybody. I think everybody should want to get involved. Absolutely, you know, because it is something to where, if if whether it's labeled black business or not knowing that it is a black business, knowing that it is a part of the culture. And if you're wanting to be a part of that culture, or if you portray yourself to be a part of that culture, why not throw yourself into that culture and have conversations with people that are from that culture? You know, because it's very well known that black people all over the world, I think, have some of the most influence on the way we live our lives every single day. You know, whether that's the way we cook our food or the way we dress or the way we play basketball or whatever it is, Sure, you know, it's something that comes and is oftentimes influenced by black people. So I think it is a good place to have those conversations and get down to the vibe when they have it, because that gives you your opportunity to ask the questions that you want to ask and get the answers maybe that you're looking for or maybe not. But either way, you'll be able to have that conversation instead of just, um, you know having your own conversation in your head and how that might go. But um, yeah, I think that that's a a good way to look at it. So when it comes to um, the NAACP, yeah, that's another thing that you're involved in as the vice president. How, what, what role does the NAACP have? Because I'm not too familiar with it. It's something that is pretty new again to Sioux Falls. I know we've had it in the past, but recently just got started up again here in Sioux Falls. What is their role and how can they help the community? Yeah. So
0: the NAACP has historically been um, an organization that uh, really presses his members to be engaged in the political process. The goal is to have political power. Um, the goal is to elevate black folks. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, we, we talk about the NAACP being for colored people, but we also have to remember when the NAACP was created, colored meant black. Didn't mean anything else. Right. So, Again, it's one of those things that while everyone is included, while everyone is invited, the fight is really for black folks It's to elevate black people. So so one of the number one priorities, again, is to make sure that black folks have political power within within our community. But then number two is to make sure that we maintain uh, a base of allies, a strong base of allies um, and allies come in every shape, form, fashion. Um mm-hmm. Uh, which again is why everyone is invited to the table to participate and engage in the process of change and in the process of, of um, equity. Yeah. So here in Sioux Falls, particularly with the new branch that we've created or, or really the re-imaging of the new branch that we've created. We're still trying to figure out what our role is in the community. Mm. Uh, we know that it's necessary. So we started it. Um, Langston Newton is our is our current president. And uh, he came to me, I don't know, probably a year and a half or so ago, maybe even close to two years ago and said, hey, man, I, I really want to know what it what it takes to start a chapter of the NAACP. His family is involved in NAACP in another state. Um, you know, he has some history there and he saw the benefit to the community uh, from just from a family perspective. Sure. And so with that said, him and his life partner began to really dig into what it took to rejuvenate our chapter. And so they did a lot of work to, to bring the chapter back. Um, and so now we're actually in the strategic planning sessions uh, or the strategic planning stages, I should say, of our organization to really figure out what this community needs yeah. and how we fit into what the community needs. So, again, it goes back to what I said before. It's about the community setting the agenda and then the leaders actually following the agenda that's set by someone else versus creating your own thing. Right. Um, and so although we know historically what the NAACP has provided nationally, that hasn't always been the case in South Dakota. So we want to make mm-hmm. sure we're making the best impact for the people here locally. Yeah. With that said, though, the fight is continuing because sure. we know that we had an incident at Denny's yep. involving two black men that were refused to be, uh, to be served. We know that oh, really? out in Pierre, there was an individual um, at Pierre high school, a uh, young, young indigenous woman who wore the ran ha- hand over her face uh, who has now recently been suspended because she was bullied and she had to put up for uh, you know put up a fight uh, to defend herself, mm-hmm. and she was also told, uh, and it's it's in recording, it's all over social media. She was told by the guidance counselor that she put a target on her back when she was only defending mm-hmm. the missing indigenous, the missing emergent indigenous women from her tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, she she recently had a family member that went missing. Wow! So she was she was really trying to showcase. The things that are going on in her own community, and so that's that's all we're trying to do. We're, we're, we're fighting the good fight, battles will come, we'll win some, we'll lose some. Um, but with an organization like the NAACP, we really have uh support nationally, and hopefully, very soon, we'll have tons of support locally to where we have a strong foundation to just continue the fight no matter if we win and no matter if we
1: lose. Absolutely, and if there's someone that wants to be involved in this, can you? Tell us exactly how do we get involved in the NAACP?
0: Yeah. So social media is really our big platform right now. Uh, Sufong's NAACP four hundred one 4012 b is our local chapter number. Um, and so you can either look that up on Google or you can go on our social media platforms. There are links there for you to go ahead and sign up to be a member. Memberships are yearly. There are different prices for youth memberships. And so uh, everyone really has the opportunity to get involved.
2: I love it. Awesome. Yeah. And I do want to go to this. I know it's kind of past, but it happened, and it happened for you. So speaking of the Denny, there was a concert at the Denny Sanford Premier Center, and they had, is um, it a, Try This in a Small Town? By yeah. Small
1: Town by Jason
2: Aldean. Jason Aldean. Sure. And you were on the news and on the Internet kind of talking about that, and I know you got a ton of backlash, yeah. and at the same time, didn't feel very supported on the back end of that as well. So I want to talk about both of those things, but first can you kind of help educate our listeners as to why that was even a topic that was talked about, you know, coming from you and the NAACP? Yeah. So for
0: sure. First off, just to give kind of a a backdrop of the setting, if you've ever watched a video, so the song is one thing, the video is another thing. So if you ever watched a video, um, the the city that Jason Aldean performed the song in can be considered as a small downtown, or excuse me, a sun downtown. I'll go into what a sun downtown is here in a minute, but for Black folks, that's not it's not safe. Uh, he also performed it on the steps of a courthouse that uh, historically had uh, public hangings of Black men. He also had you know shots in, within his video of Black people protesting, so it really gave the image of Black Lives Matter going against the police right so so the imagery imagery is going to be very important the imagery in the video really set it up to be black against white Mm -hmm. right he did that not divisive yeah very very divisive Jason Aldean did that not us it put it put our community in position to be very defensive now I never want to be defensive I always want to be you know ahead of the game you always want to be strategic because that's that's really the best method of Creating your own narrative or designing your own story is to be ahead of the game. But Jason Aldean put us in, in defense mode. So that was that was part one. Part two is Governor Nome invited Jason Aldean to perform on the front lawn of the Governor's Mansion, knowing all of this happened. Now here's how we tie it in very very locally. Canton, South Dakota, was considered a sundown town, mm. and in some ways still is. And so what is a sundown town? It's a town uh, that in the 50s and 60s and maybe even early 70s um, that black people just knew that when the sun went down, you cannot step foot in that city because you would be hung on the steps of a public, uh, you know, a public place. Um, You you just you you just didn't feel safe going into it because you'd be killed. Right. You'd be killed. And so all of those things came together to, to, to us to say we needed to say something. Right. right. It wasn't much. Quite honestly, it wasn't much that we can do. Right. We're the Sioux Falls NAACP. We have only a certain amount of power right now. Now, we're again, the goal is to build that political power and that political progress. But but right now we're just rejuvenating our our chapter. Yeah. So what can we do? Probably not much. What can we do against, you know, someone like like a Christine Nome? Probably not much. Right. She has a national presence. Mm-hmm. But what we can do. Very at the very least, is we can say something. Right, use your right. voice. We can say something. We can use our voice because that's the most powerful tool that we have, whether it's whether it's writing a letter, whether it's voting people out. Whatever it is, we have to be able to utilize our voice. And I know we, we hadn't talked about this or we kind of mentioned it, but the same thing goes for the, the situation at Denny's. When the two black men were refused service, you have not heard one thing from any elected official to include our mayor. I didn't even know that would happen. Not, not a single word from them. So who can our community rely on to say something? Mm. Us. Right. Right. And so again, if it's just me stepping out, that's one thing. But when it's an organization stepping out and sometimes I might be the face of it, sometimes our president might be the face, sometimes it might be our secretary. You never know. This particular situation just happened to be me. So so when that when that happens, I do have somewhat of a presence in Sioux Falls and I understand that it comes with responsibility white folks didn't agree with it right. but it's not their experience it's not their experience it's our experience and we have to be able to at some point we have to be able to to take a step forward and again be courageous enough to face the adversity and say I'm doing this whether you like it or not right so yeah. so that's it's kind of where I am with that now particularly to your question when you said you know the, the lack of support here's what bothered me again we have the backing of an organization in the NAACP and we know what we're fighting for as a matter of fact we had a general body meeting and it wasn't just a singular idea to write a you know to write a letter right. this was this was uh you know over 100 people that decided to do this mm-hmm. this was a this was a community of people that said we need to say something so we did and then the backlash from everyone who disagreed with it didn't come with the support f- that i thought should have came because people weren't attacking the NAACP people were attacking Julian right and at that point if someone if if you have a leader that is bold and courageous and willing to stick their neck out on the line then you need to also be bold and courageous and willing to stick your neck out on the line for them right there's a level of Wrapping your arms and, around yeah. the people that are working for you that, that in my opinion needs to happen. And it, and it really doesn't happen often in this community until we face real, real adversity, mm-hmm. right? Or until it's too late. Right. And I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to, you know, I'll, again, I'll go back to when I was working in law enforcement, being a trooper and having having the spouse of a trooper threaten my life. And then saying that, you know, uh, having the organization saying, I put the target on my own back. Well, what happens when I don't? When, when now I don't have the protection of the uniform, mm-hmm. right? And something actually happens to me or something actually happens to one of the leaders that are fighting for this community. Now it's too late to wrap your arms around them. Now all you can do is hope and pray for their family that they find comfort, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to be in that position and I, I really don't want anybody else to be in that position either. Right. That's, that's something that we really shouldn't, we shouldn't even have to think about. Right. right, because we have enough people here that can wrap our arms around each other to say, "I love you enough." I love you enough. Maybe I don't know you, but I love you enough to see the work that you're doing and appreciate the work that you're doing. That I'm not going to let anybody else treat you poorly. Right. Point blank. Period.
1: Yeah. Very well said. Very well said.
2: I like that. Thank you for yeah. for going into that because I sure. think that is some. I know it's kind of past and that's not in the headlines and stuff like that, but it is important to talk about because. That is something that happened and impacted you and impacts a lot of people that, yeah. that may not know about it. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. You. Now, I do just have one last question here because, yeah,
1: yeah. you know, our biggest our biggest thing is, is education to provide an, another way out for another individual that is listening to this podcast and they're learning from each individual that's on there. Something, just even a little piece that they can take forward to help them build their own legacy, you know. So my question for you is, is when you hear overstepping poverty, what does that mean to you? Uh,
0: I still don't know because I'm still trying to overcome poverty myself. Mm -hmm. I think you can look at it both ways. Overstepping poverty could mean really just changing your mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, again, like living for for me, living around a lot of individuals who were impoverished, Mm -hmm. but having the faith to believe that they could outgrow their situation in the same environment that they were in, mm. right? Like, so it's crazy. You go into the hood and you see the drugs, you see a liquor store, see a check cash in place. And then what else do you see? A church, <laughs> right? So all of the hope is gone through the week, but then on Sunday, everybody's going to church, mm-hmm. right? To, to try to build back up that hope. And so what does that tell you? That that tells you that we have a strong mindset already. Mm. So, so for me, it, it doesn't come necessarily with a change of mindset. It just comes with a change of strategy, comes with a change of policy, Comes, with it, which is why I fight so hard for for us to be engaged in politics is because we have to be able to write the rules to our own success. And so when I talk when I think about over overcoming poverty or overstepping poverty, I really think about the process of engagement. To create a path to your own success, whatever that may look like, if it's changing mindsets, if it's changing ways financially, if it's changing relationship statuses, whatever that may be, you have to be able to create it yourself. But, but you can't wait on anyone to give you a roadmap, right? To to what that is, because it looks different for my family, and it's going to look different for yours,
1: right? right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So now we can open it up to what is called roundtable. I want you to go ahead and, uh, if you have questions for us get those out on the table. We'll get those answered. We can go from there.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I, that I really was thinking about when you talk about overstepping poverty is that black folks don't have money, right? So we can, again, we can go back to, we can go back to faith. We can go back to hope. We can go back to even, even the relationships and the mindset, but bottom line is we don't have money, right? We are on the bottom tier in this country and so, what is overstepping poverty to you when it comes to specifically the Black community, and 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 what, like, what what are the values in, um, maybe some of the the guests that you've had in the past that you would take away from 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 them to say this is what I can bring back to to my community?
1: Absolutely, it, you know, and if you don't mind, I'll answer that first here, Zacchaeus, but. One thing that you can take away from each guest that we have on is, and we say it every time, it starts with perspective and then also leads into knowledge. There's one thing that I know that if you want to make money, you have to be educated into whatever specialized field that you're in to really make money, you know, and also you have to be able to have a good group, I mean, around you as well. I mean, your network, I can tell you this, your network is your net worth. The more people that you know that is on the same mindset as you to make that money, to be able to go and get an education and do better for yourself or your family, I can promise you, you're going to follow those same steps. So every person that we have on, they may not be the same skin color as us, but I know that they all have the same mindset as we do, that they want to continue to educate and have other people follow after them. And they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be gatekeepers. They're not going to if someone was truly wanting to do better for themselves, that every single person that we have at, had on, you can go up to them and you can ask them specifically, hey, I need a resource to help me with this. Where can I go? And I can promise you that every person that we've had on will do will have a helping hand and lead you in the right direction. So that's what it is for us for overstepping poverty. That's what this entire podcast is about. It's it's a it's a full network that we're allowing other individuals to tap into. So each every individual that comes on and they're vulnerable and they're speaking on how they came up, how they grew up and how they became successful, we just provided you with a ton of steps that you could just do the exact same thing. And if you don't want to do exactly their way, you can take a piece from what they said or how they moved to get to where they're at and you can make it your own and do it for yourself. Yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah, I, I like that. I would say I mean, you touched on both of the what I would say. When you mentioned Martin Luther King when he talked about equality versus equity, I think equity I 100% when it comes to you know not having money just starting there, me in the field that I I work in as a loan officer helping people buy homes, I help people buy homes with very little money very often, Yeah, you know, when it comes to, and it kind of falls in line. If you don't have money, oftentimes your credit is not where it needs to be to obtain a loan or to, to make money, you know? So that's also something that, you know, I, I help with is help people get their credit where it needs to be so they can get into these programs and get this down payment assistance for a house. And the other part Is building your own table, kind of like you talked about. I've I mentioned that when it comes to this podcast, that's what this whole podcast is: is us building our own table. You know, where we both come from places, different backgrounds. All three of us come from different backgrounds, yet we're sitting at the same table. And I would consider each person here successful at what they're doing. You know, you're providing for your family, you got a roof over your head, and success is different for everybody, but it is it is taking accountability of yourself, you know, it's taking sure. accountability of where you're at. Um, you know, to going through foster care growing up, you know, he could have just folded and, and threw in the towel. You could have thrown in the towel based off the environment that you grew up in. And yeah, I just think that we have to hold ourselves more accountable and stop being victims a lot of times. And, you know, it was a conversation we had at the vibe actually where, it got a little heated, but the conversation is one set of people aren't allowing another set of people to get to the level of success that they want to be. And I looked at that as like, there's no person in this world that's going to stop us from getting to where we want to be. Like, I don't think that there is and whether you're definitely going to run into roadblocks, you're going to run into the challenges, whether it's policy and procedure or it's your own people holding you back, you're going to run into challenges, but at the end of the day, you get up every single day and you go to work, yep. because you're doing it not for yourself. You're doing it for other people. Sure. And same thing for Daquan. Same thing for myself. So I think if we take more accountability for where we're at, what we're doing, we can be the change we want to see. And that's a lot of what you've you've talked about this whole podcast is being that change. Yeah. You know, sure. just because you're in that environment doesn't mean you have to be the same product that was produced for so many other people, be different, yeah. you know, be, be you. So that's all I would say is use the resources and there's not enough of them. Um, I would say when I look in mortgage and I talk about the equity stuff, there needs to be more people that are out there that look like me and you, you yeah, know, when I was sure. selling life insurance with New York Life Financial Services, I'm the only person of color, the entire building. I look at the wall for all the successful people. They're all white. Mm-hmm. My mindset is, Damn, I want to be on that wall. Yeah. And two, we have a whole community of people that nobody is tapping into. Nobody is uh, speaking to our people. Yeah. So there's there's opportunity all over the place for our people to to get into jobs such as life insurance or mortgage, which have low barriers of entry. Yeah. You know, it, you don't have to go get a degree to become a loan officer. Right. One of the most wealth the person that owns the Phoenix Suns is a mortgage loan officer wow Dan Gilbert for the Cleveland Cavaliers owns the Cavaliers mortgage you know so like all I had to do to get my mortgage license I did 20 hours of of learning I passed the test and I have my license yeah for sure you know and made the most money I've ever made in my life and that's after getting a college degree so there's there's opportunities but it's education it's it's helping our people know that those opportunities are available. Yep. Uh, it's a lot of things, but I think at the core, it's starting with ourselves and stop making excuses and envision what you want your life to look like. Yeah,
0: for sure. Listen, people, people always say uh money can't buy you happiness. Let me try. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me see. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll let yeah. you know. I think you can. <laughs> a yep. little bit. Uh, all right. This, this is kind of off topic a little bit, but man, how y'all lose that beer pong? Oh, oh man. man,
1: no way. <laughs> You're not
2: supposed to bring all that. Listen, money. listen, never listen. Lost. Listen.
1: <laughs> and it's funny because you know, the New England Patriots, they went undefeated <laughs> the entire season. Everyone was boasting about them. They're the team to beat. They're the team to beat. And then they got to the championship and they lost, right? Yeah. And so you know, we're bringing it back to this year where I watched you watch us continue to win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And continue to beat people. And then we finally lost And Now you want to say yeah. so. Yeah. So, so
0: which one of y'all is Brady and which one of y'all is mouse? I'm oh mouse. man. You're Brady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's fair. Okay. All that's I got to do, yeah. do is put my <laughs> hand up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nah, that's No, nah, we, man, we had a good time. Um, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing for sure. What language can I use on here? Can I use a little Whatever. language? Oh, yeah. Language okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So not really a question, but just a thought that always comes in my mind. I think about Paul Mooney saying, you know, if you don't know who Paul Mooney is, he's a, he's a black comedian. He, he's a writer, really. He wrote for Richard Pryor. He wrote for Dave Chappelle. Like okay. he's, he's a legend. He's a legend. But he, he, you know, he started kind of getting into some stand up. And one of the things he would always say in some of his stand ups is everybody want to be a nigga, but don't nobody want to be a nigga.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. Right.
0: And so you touched on earlier, like the everybody wanting to really dive into the culture of being black. Well, being black is more than just culture.
2: Right. right?
0: Sometimes being black is exhausting. Sometimes being black is painful. You know what I mean? And so everybody sometimes wants to wants to dive into our culture. But then when we talk about the things that hurt us, such as the. Such as the Jason Aldean thing, and mm-hmm. you want to shy away from us. Right. So, so with that said, I wanna, I, I want to just appreciate the fact that y'all had me on this podcast. Not in February, not for Martin Luther King Day. Y'all had me on before Halloween.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh-huh. It's not often. Actually, I can't remember a time outside of me running for for city office. I can't remember a time that uh, I've been on a podcast. That hadn't had to do with Black History Month, hadn't had to do with mm. MLK's birthday, hadn't had to do with Malcolm X's birthday, right. right? People just want to hear the black person talk around the black topics, right? right? And I appreciate the fact that y'all got me on here just for me. So, absolutely. Absolutely, so
2: thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast because it's not easy to always get up here for anybody and be vulnerable, you yeah. know and time after time we do have to be vulnerable we have to put ourselves out there when we do want to be those change makers and make that change and yeah we need to be celebrated year-round baby yeah yeah, absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: absolutely you know before we actually end this podcast here i just need another plug from you i really do because <laughs> um like you said we we mentioned visual representation i think all yes. of us are doing that you know, we're we're making it easier for someone of our color can look up to us and say, you know, what? I can do that, too. Yeah. You know, I haven't seen anyone that looked like me in that position, but I just saw him in there. So if he can do it, I can do it. So right. uh, what I want to end with here is just five tips, tricks and hacks that you can give to someone, whether they're young, you know, your same age or even older, you know, on how to overset poverty.
0: Yeah. So I think uh, first thing is understand your situation. You know, know where you are, know where you come from. Knowing your history is really important. Mm-hmm. So know where you come from, understand your ancestors, um, understand their fight is going to be different than your fight. So, so that's number one, just, just know your situation. Number two is, it goes back to what we talked about, just perception. Your perception will always be your reality. Mm. So if you can somehow, some way, find the mental strength to change your mentality even a little bit. You know, I'm not a Christian, but the Bible does say all it takes is the faith the size of a mustard seed. Yep. Right? So if you change your perspective just a little bit, change your mindset a little bit to where you have just that much oomph in you yep. to change the things that are around you, I promise you you'll start to see some success in your life. So that's, that's number two. Number three is be ready for the obstacles because mm. they will come. They will come. Again, you know, I, I'm not a Christian, but I, I dig a lot into I dig a lot I dig a lot into faith and my grandmother definitely raised me in the church. So God gives us the strength to overcome mountains. So you think this little obstacle in front of you is gonna stop your, it's gonna stop your progress? No. Never not at right. all. Not at all. You as an individual have the ability to overcome an entire mountain. There have been people who've climbed Mount Everest. Right. So what makes you think that this little thing in front of you is going to stop you, mm. right? It won't. I promise you it won't. Number four for me is that just realize that, again, you have all ability within yourself. You know, I tell, So my, my sister is one that she worries a lot, and I tell her all the time, it's going to be okay. Have you ever met something in your life that you haven't gone through and been successful through? Right. Because if you haven't, you wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you recognize that you've always had the strength, you will recognize that you always will have the strength. So for me, that's number four. Number five right. is set an agenda. Set an agenda. Have a plan. Be strategic about your plan. Be, be strategic about the people you're developing the plan with. Mm. Be strategic about the relationship that you're developing and be intentional. Be very, very intentional about every step that you make within that plan. When you write a strategy for, for, for an organization, you talk about goals, but goals have tasks, mm-hmm. right. right? The goal is really the strategy and then the task is really the intent, right? Right. And so your your impact will come from the small intentional efforts that you make to succeed at every goal that you set. So set an agenda. I love Amazing.
1: it. I love it. Well, thank you again, Julian, for being on our podcast here. I think you gave plenty of of tips, tricks, and hacks just for for everyone to take away from this, um, to take that next step, take, yeah. you know, the, give that same energy, that same mindset and perspective to move forward and do something with your life. So, um, again, this is Overstep in Poverty with Daquan Brooks and Zacchaeus. Yes. Again, thank you, and we'll see you guys next week.
2: Yeah, and uh, last plug, if you haven't been down to Swamp Daddies, get down here, yeah, yeah. try out the amazing food, and, and leave a review. Yes. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping
1: Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in overstepping poverty.